Mm. Am I covered in bogies? You're literally covered in bogies. <laughs> like, I, really? I can barely see your features. <laughs> My feet. What's that big talking <laughs> lump? <laughs> it's not. Okay. I'm very conscious that there's like a burp that needs to happen. <laughs> but, and I don't want it to happen when I'm talking about hats. This one's just, I, it, I might just try and get it out now. <laughs> Do you want me to pat you on the back? No, it's fine. Does that work? <laughs> yeah, normally. It's coming. Oh, it's making me feel a bit sick watching you do that, actually. Okay, I think that's better. Oh, that's really... Oh, that's really made me feel quite sick. It's made me feel quite sick. <laughs> I don't mind swearing, but I really dislike the C word. <laughs> Am I covered in bogeys? <laughs> Not one. Not one. No, yeah, you're but fine. But two. A is for anything. B for baby blue. C is classy, clams and clogs. D for doggy doos. T is easy. F for flange. E for gannon. H for ham. I for idiot. You're an idiot. I'm an idiot. Jerry. K is kooky. L for lads. Margaret ladies. Lads, lads, lads. M for mummy. N for knock knock. Who's there? P P who? Here come Q R S T U for ugly. V for Venus. W for W. X is hard to comprehend. Why can't I just reach the end? Z for zebra. Zinc and zany. Baglioni. Zip zucchini. Zoo and zoo and zeppelin too. The alphabet is really cool. How are you both feeling with your hangovers today? I'm feeling a little rough. Mine's like, it's not significant enough for it to stop me from doing things, but Clearly. I just feel a bit stupid. So mm. I am concerned about how eloquent I'm going to be today. Okay. Or or how fast my brain will be whirring. Yeah. Not very. Mm-hmm. Well, sometimes that can be a good thing. Mm. A jaunty hangover. I have uh, a, a sorry. <laughs> <laughs> a very slight creeping sickness that's rumbling through my stomach. Excellent. But other than that <laughs> Good to go. Your expression is going against you saying that you're uh, perhaps good to go. <laughs> good to ghost. <laughs> um well I'm gonna be talking about hangovers, so I'll be explaining exactly what's going on in your bodies right now oh my which is was pretty grim actually doing all the research Alcohol while are, hungover is it gonna make yourself us, well i have a very mild hangover thank you for pointing that out gina bring me down to your level i feel a bit groggy but i have none of this uh i'm the worst. i think maybe i'm the worst but i had the latest night yeah what time did you roll in well i left at one but it took me i probably got into bed at three Oof. So it took me so long to get home yeah, there's always that point, isn't there, where... Sorry, Marie, to just steamroller. Mm. But where... Mm. So I was at a pub party, and then the option was to go back to the house. And really, I should have left after the pub. And there's always that point in the night where you're like, if I'd gone home at that point, my night would have been the same amount of fun, but I wouldn't feel this bad today. Mm. And once again, I missed that point. <laughs> yeah, but that's part of being drunk. Yeah. And, you know... Once you pop, you have stop. Yeah. Anyway, sorry, enough on that, thank you. Right, I'm going to just crack right into this. So where does the term hangover actually come from? Does anyone know? Is it German? <laughs> no, that's hangover. Hangover. Um, there was something going around recently that was this quite kind of romantic theory. It was Victorian sailors who couldn't afford proper accommodation, so they would pay a penny to sleep hanging over a rope, like bent over a rope. So they're sort of standing but leaning over the rope. So Jelly looks like she was about to <laughs> project our vomit across the table. No, I just had a little burp. Oh, of course. Oh, I was trying to suppress. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, and there's like a picture of all of these men leaning over ropes asleep. Mm. Um, so that would be the hangover. Oh, no way. Because they were too drunk. But that's a lie and oh. isn't true. Oh. That's a shame, isn't But it? I wonder if that was a practice that did happen, but it's not where the word... It sounds like comes from. an elaborate lie if it didn't happen. Well, I saw a picture, but like I Like a photograph? Yeah. Mm. No, an artist's impression. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, you know, photograph can be staged. That's also Depends true. how malicious these liars are. <laughs> well, <laughs> they yeah, started a long time ago. Mm. <laughs> Put the plan in action in early 1900s. Basically, anyway, it's just a derivative of a an earlier word that means after effect and started being used around 1904, the word hangover. But 
The first known description of a hangover is over 3,000 years old and was found in an Indian textbook on, is it Vedic meditation? Vedic meditation? And was described as, it's called Paramada, and it's a post-drinking condition involving thirst, headaches, joint pain, and heaviness of the body. So they've been having them for a while. I feel that. Mm. I wonder what they were drinking. Good point. If you uh, remember correctly, in... uh, episode D (laughs) when I covered drinking Um, of course alcohol has been drunk in many forms across the world for thousands of years and I believe uh, 3000 BC we're getting towards uh, you know wine territory okay okay well I'm going to go into the more like nitty gritty of what actually happens inside your body when you've drunk alcohol you're looking at us as if we're going to (laughs) be on the floor in agony no you're just look, you both look like two naughty school kids at the moment <laughs> so you look like a sexy teacher thank you yeah and I've even got sweat patches in my arms like teachers always get oh yeah um, <laughs> those clever guys maybe it's because they're always hung over sorry <laughs> you trying to start <laughs> please sorry children settle yes Miss Hackman Ooh, I, like <laughs> <laughs> I like it um Right, alcohol is metabolised by an enzyme called alcohol dehydrogenase, or ADH, that's what I'm going to call it for the purposes of this. And that breaks down ethanol, which forms something called acetate. Let me have a look. I did practice the pronunciation this morning, I swear. Acetal, acetaldehyde. <laughs> uh, um, so uh, yeah, ethanol get ethanol gets turned into this. Just give up. So <laughs> we just skip to your second I swear to God, this happens every time I start my bit, regardless of where it lands in the podcast. There's always something that kicks you two off into mass hysteria. Sorry. Um, anyway, this this stuff, um, which I'm not going to pronounce again, is a poison and a carcinogen. So that's sitting inside your body, both of you. Right sorry, now. sorry. That gets released when this enzyme comes into contact with alcohol. So the the enzyme metabolizes ethanol, which in turn turns it into this thing. Okay, got you. <laughs> the thing is what we're going to call it. And then it goes through a few different iterations and then becomes water and carbon dioxide. And then there's also in... Alcoholic drinks, there are chemical byproducts called congeners. No. Um, Congener Miller. Or it could be like Congegener, but I don't know if it's. it's... <laughs> <laughs> I, don't how, I don't know how to pronounce any of the words in this. <laughs> By the end of your section, you're like, and I'm. <laughs> I need to go home. <laughs> anyway, these con- I'm going to call them congeners because that's what it looks like. They're produced during the fermentation and distillation processes um, and they're not very good for you. One of them is called methanol, confusing, which is <laughs> metabolised by ADH as well, but at a slower rate than ethanol. And that forms formaldehyde and formic acid Ooh, inside you. So they're no, sitting there. Thank you. And these like nasty poisonous things they cause damage to your body which makes your body then has an inflammatory reaction so it's kind of like turning in on itself which causes nausea headaches shakes and depression so that's your body's way of an attempt to kind of protect itself but it means it's attacking itself at the same time and alcohol is also fucking around with your neurotransmitters as well post the event or at the event as it were at at and post Uh, we know uh Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, oh yeah. So this is all it all being processed. So basically, there's two neurotransmitters that are quite big guys, they, and they control your brain kind of being off and on, called GABA, or GABA. GABA. <laughs> and glutamate. And so ga- GABA, no, GABA, like, turns it off, and glutamate turns it on. So normally they're producing e- equal amounts, so you're sort of staying in this perfect level and then it's it's kind of gently being altered but drinking increases the production of GABA which slows your brain down so that's why you feel uh, at first you feel relaxed you start to feel chilled groovy. out then you might start like slurring your words a little bit you start losing the ability to create memories and then obviously at some point you'll slip into 
being unconscious if you keep going. And it's also, um, it suppresses the glutamate. The wake up one. Makeup. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it suppresses the, what's the word? Um, <laughs> whatever makes the glutamate, um, it suppresses that. So the next day you get this rebound where your glutamate's trying to kind of level out again. So that one's spiking and that's the one that's the wakey up one. So that's why you have a real sensitivity to light and loud noises because wow. your brain is kind of slightly hyper whilst also being affected by many other nasty little poisons flying around. Alcohol also damages the stomach lining, which causes diarrhea and nausea. Have you guys <laughs> not had today, but <laughs> not today. <laughs> after well, I texted you from the loo. Yes, after you did. when we went to the pub. I think we were both texting each other from the loo. Like we that was are. just a few Yeah, 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 yeah that actually. was this week. Yeah, oh, absolutely. Did you both have diarrhea? Sick out your bum. Sick um. out your bum. <laughs> oh, horrible. That's disgusting. <laughs> so bad. I, you both must have heard me say that before. I think I think I have. It it's is. like, um, it's just such a horrible sanitised... Well, it's not sanitised. <laughs> <laughs> it's like someone who thinks it's unacceptable to say poo. Yeah. So it's like, oh, have you been sick out your bum again? <laughs> it's easier... <laughs> <laughs> Is that your front bottom? Stick <laughs> out your front bottom. No, that's, <laughs> this is where it gets into. No, I'm just saying, like the, the same person who calls, yeah, a, a vagina a front, front bottom. Yeah. Would say, sick would out say, <laughs> I don't call a vagina a front bottom. I'd like to put that out there. Bloody well, we hope always not. get onto poo. How do we always get onto poo? I don't that's know. My, my influence, even if it was not from me. Put me in a room and people will talk about. We poo. all do. I think the three of us are quite pooey. Scatological. <laughs> yeah, scatological. <laughs> okay. Anyway, back to hangovers. Um, no poo. No. <laughs> um, can't wait for pee. Hey. Um, <laughs> right. So if you do, or if you are cursed with a nasty little hangover, um, <laughs> stop it. Um, there's a lot of supposed cures. Julia Roberts. Oh, likes to not drink. where I was expecting you to go. <laughs> That's where I was hoping you would go. Always. She likes to drink carrot juice for a hangover. Um, Kate Winslet opts for a sausage sandwich and a nap. Love that. I yeah. love this research. <laughs> yeah, it was quite fun, actually. There's a lot of very good ones. So th- the oldest remedy is the classic, which is just to carry on drinking, mm. which has been around since alcohol was invented because it's the simple fix short term. And actually the phrase hair of the dog, that comes from an old method of treating a rabid dog bite where you would um, place the hair from the dog that bit you onto the wound, which is an interesting one. I didn't know that. Everything I read today said that that doesn't work. It's not an effective way of getting rid of a hangover. To keep drinking. Yeah. But I think if you have a couple of pints and then like it takes the edge off it, then you go to sleep and the next day you wake up. Agreed. I think it's excellent. I think that's hard science. Yeah. But I think maybe we're not allowed to say that in case it's promoting alcoholism. Um, so ancient Assyrians would consume a mixture of ground birds' beaks and myrrh. Oh my gosh! Like, I wish I'd brought in some of these to try out, guys. <laughs> um, European doctors in the Middle Ages recommended raw eel and bitter almonds. What? But the, all this stuff is just going to make you feel so much worse. Yeah, but you haven't tried it. What kind of eel? <laughs> True. <laughs> European eel, conger eel. Well, they were European doctors, so I would imagine it was a European eel from the Sargasso Sea. From the Sargasso Sea. <laughs> Sargasso Sea. <laughs> the Romans recommended raw owls' eggs. No. no. Um, which actually might work because eggs contain cysteine, which is an amino acid that gets depleted by alcohol. So um, eggs have actually been yeah, uh, proven to uh, help with a. Is that why it's called anxiety. cysteine chapel? Yeah. No. <laughs> Spelt differently. Don't say yes. <laughs> no, no, sorry. I was, I was still on the hang on them helping with you, you feeling less anxious the next day. Yeah. Difficult to find in any significant amount. How many eggs does an owl have? Like <laughs> thousands. No. They pop them out like those those guns with those sort of big rubber balls in them. Go, oh my God. How many, That's how a, they how fly. How many eggs does an owl have is such a vague question. No, but as in like you know how chickens, you you could you could expect kind of between six and twelve eggs. Could you? <laughs> <laughs> twelve would be quite a busy hen, I think. She's working nine to five. Do you have any cures that you guys go to? Like what? What's your hangover routine? Slop. What's slop? Like anything <laughs> sloppy. 
What? So this morning, it was crumpet Ooh, with... That's bacon. not sloppy. Hang on. Oh, sorry. Hold your horses. <laughs> crumpet, half a tin of baked beans, obviously with butter in them, and a fried egg, and then just cheese all over it. Well, yeah. that's to, just a, a sort of take on a fried breakfast. Yeah, but it's got to have that extra Did you eat it element from a trough? of slop. <laughs> yeah, it's got to just be hot slop. Hot okay. slop. Does it work? Um, I don't know. It makes me feel nice. Okay. But I wouldn't say it gets rid of the hangover. What about you, Joel? Yeah, a big breakfast is a good one. I'll always have a full fat Coca-Cola. Mm. Oh, that's an excellent on a hangover. choice. Well, I do. I take some charcoal tablets. Preferably mm. the night before as I'm going to bed. Because they absorb nasty things. Do they? That's yeah. good to know. And then I would say, just a cup of tea. And then a, quite a light brekkie. And a swim. And a oh, pint. Well, That's... isn't yours wholesome? Yeah, yours is very impressive. But then, and a pub. Later. Okay, afterwards. so charcoal tablets, where are we sourcing these? Online. Or like a health shop. Or Could just you just a... eat charcoal? Do they taste... <laughs> Sorry. What do they taste of? Charcoal. <laughs> you, you swallow them like a, like a pill. Okay, okay. I'm thinking of them as a René. Rennie. <laughs> a Rennie Zellweger. <laughs> a Rennie Zellweger, yeah. Is a Rennie for an unsettled tummy? Rennie. Or indigestion. <laughs> Wait, what is it? Rene or Rennie? Rennie. 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 I think it's because my mum calls them so, Rennies. So charcoal tablets, are they just charcoal? Could you just Activated eat charcoal? charcoal. No, it? no, something's, something's been done to it. But it's, it's very, it absorbs gas as well. Isn't it good for your breath or your stomach or something? Yeah, because it absorbs and it stops you from farting all the time. Because we used to give it to our dog when he his breath got bad when he was old. <laughs> yeah, there you go. <laughs> yeah. That's little why I have it. Is. A little lump of coal. <laughs> yeah. He's been a bad boy. <laughs> um, another one that's quite good for helping out is um, having an orgasm. Really? Is that on your <laughs> list of things My to do? My face. A what? <laughs> <laughs> That's disgusting. Is that because um, it releases endorphins? Yes, and oxytocin. <laughs> and oxytocin? Yes, that helps to sort of replenish the drop in dopamine and serotonin. And serotonin! Um, which all get smacked the night before whilst, well. you're, whilst you're getting hooned. Might just pop to the loo. <laughs> <laughs> no need, we're all friends in here. <laughs> Um, I already have. <laughs> doing it right now. <laughs> the only thing that I found out in terms of preventative stuff that isn't just drink less um, and also hydrate lots is that darker alcohols have more congeners in them. So if you avoid your whiskies, your brandies, your red wine, and you opt for apparently vodka is the cleanest one. I can say from experience that vodka gives me the... See, the smallest hangover. The two times that I actually think I have had alcohol poisoning have been vodka. Like, I've been so ill, and one of them was with you in Spain, Gina, on that holiday when I was... But that wasn't just vodka. There was a lot of stuff happening. And a lot of pork that we'd had before. We did, yeah, had a lot of pork. That maybe, would have you were ill from the pork. Maybe no, it was dodgy pork. It was, it was, it was we drank a lot. pork. Okay. Well, the other time was definitely just vodka, though, and I just stood up and... And was like throwing up for like two days. Oh, horrible! Um, but white wine gives me the worst hangover. So that's what, yeah. I get red wine bad for me. But I find that my worst hangovers have been vodka, white wine, and prosecco, which are prosecco, all like I, lightly I coloured. Yeah, agree with you on prosecco. Uh, what are your worst um, hangover experiences? That's what I'm going to end on. It's the anxiety that really kills me. Mm, it's mm-hmm. If I think the physical side of it, I wouldn't would be fine. Like obviously, you just feel a bit shit, and that's not great. But it's just the constant fear that everyone hates me <laughs> well I didn't like I get that so badly yeah I think mine was also well I was at my old boss's house got very very drunk got to the point where I was like I have to leave I'm gonna throw up in this house so I just marched out quite in the same way that when you were gonna shit yourself <laughs> you just walked out <laughs> without explaining and I was sick all the way home out of the uber window so all I remember from the from the end of the evening is wiping down the Uber with wet wipes as the driver handed them to me. Anyway, the next morning I was thinking like, God, I feel really bad because this was like in one of the first lulls between lockdowns. I was like, I really hope I was wearing a face mask. And I couldn't remember if I was, but obviously I was being sick as well. So I was like, don't know if I had a face mask on. Anyway. That's the least of your worries at that point. Yeah. Well, it was. Yeah, I wasn't. 
or worrying about anything at that point. Um, then I went, I needed to go to the supermarket the following day. So I trundled along. It was a boiling hot day. And um, I thought, oh, I better put my face mask on and went into my bag. And I was feeling appalling already. Fished out my, I've said fished out twice today. <laughs> I hate this term. It's horrible. But fished I did. In. I fished out my um, my face mask. <laughs> <laughs> and, I, and I looked at it and I go, oh, yes, I was wearing my face mask in the Uber because it was full of sick. Oh. And I had to put it on. Oh, no. <laughs> and do my shopping. <laughs> I would have just left it off. That's a, You're a good citizen, Gina. Yeah, on that note, I think goodbye hangovers. Yeah. Hello, hats. <laughs> this is a customer announcement. In the event of a correction or addition to our hazy demifax, please do slide into our DMs and we will address these in a bonus episode at the end of the series. I'm just going to talk about hats, which is my age. Um, Can I ask, sorry, what... what- <laughs> What prompted you to... I haven't even started. No, and maybe you're about to say, but I just think hats is such an interesting choice. (laughs) (laughs) Is is that a bit judgy? Such an interesting choice for you. Such an interesting interesting choice. choice. Like, I I like hats, but it's such an interesting choice. Do you like hats? No, I don't. And that's kind of why I chose hats. I mean, I just find them kind of interesting because they're such a choice. They're a bit of a statement, but they are many functions and types of hats and they're actually everywhere I mean on the way here I made a point of counting all of the different types of hats (laughs) (laughs) why are you quivering no I'm just just laughing at and they're actually everywhere I felt like in the beginning of love actually when Hugh Grant is like Love is actually. What does he say? Love, love actually, actually is. is. <laughs> love is actually. Love is actually. Love actually is us. everywhere. I was like, hats actually are everywhere. So, just so you know, hats before actually. I... <laughs> the award-winning <laughs> by Gina Milliner. <laughs> um, I just laugh like the laughing cow. <laughs> <laughs> what a, what a good. Can you do it again? No. Just try. I I just, it came out. (laughs) (laughs) That was it. She is so sexy. Yes, so sexy. She is. She's got kind of hemoglobin vibes. I know exactly what you mean. I've never thought it before, but now you say that. Yeah. I want to look at her. Maybe that'll be where my orgasm comes in. <laughs> I think I'm going to be sick. <laughs> sorry, sorry, Gina. Let's talk, let's talk about hats. There are hats for every occasion. Uh, people wear them for all sorts of reasons to protect themselves against weather conditions. I'm just going to steam through because, yeah. you know, the, the laughter's not going to stop. Um, ceremonial hats, <laughs> religious hats, military hats, safety hats, and fashion hats. And obviously they used to be very common. If you look at pictures from not that long ago, people... Are... <laughs> <laughs> you're literally <laughs> dazzling me with your like... <laughs> <laughs> I'm so sorry. I can't. I'm just. I've completely gone. Ugh. Yeah, people, particularly men, I think, always used to wear hats. And apparently, hat wearing was at its peak from the late 19th century until the end of the 1920s. And now you don't really see. It's not normal practice for everyone to wear a hat. And there are a few theories as to why they're less popular. popular. <laughs> I suppose popular. Yes. Um, <laughs> One of the theories is that it's to do with the rise of the closed car. So before, when people started getting cars and they didn't have tops on them, and then more and more people were getting cars. I mean, only from like the 1920s on. Sorry, the burp is coming now. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, I'm just going to warn you in case something happens. So obviously, once you had the protection of the roof of your car, you didn't need a hat. And then because people were taking their cars to get everywhere instead of you know nipping out by foot 
it just removes that need to protect yourself against the drizzle or the cold or whatever. So that's one thing. Another theory is that the decline in hats or the decline in hat wearing was, uh, you know, really a problem for the hat industry, as you can imagine. (laughs) And in 1940... Oh, in some point in the 1940s, that the Hat Research Foundation, which is a real thing, they took out ads saying, you need a hat to work magic. And more and more people were going out <laughs> bareheaded, is the, is the term, is, for, is that not, what it's for not wearing called? a hat. So there were apparently people who walked bareheaded in hat-making towns in England, so Denton and Stockport, both near Manchester, apparently were abused by workers because they saw their livelihoods threatened by these bareheaded brutes. Mm. Wow. So it was a bit of a tricky time, obviously, if you were a hat maker. But I can see you both wondering, when did hats first happen? Well, you read my mind. <laughs> I'll just give you a few little historical hat facts. Excellent. There's a little figurine called the Venus of Willendorf. Have you heard of her? No. No. It's a figurine of a woman and it's, estimated to be between 20 and 30,000 years old, that was found in Austria in 1908 during some excavations. And she does appear to be wearing a woolly hat. Wow, and nothing else? Yeah, she's naked. Boobies, what? bottom, how, how woolly is hat. It, how do we know it's a hat? Uh, you say woolly. Where's she wearing the hat? What's uh, do you want me to... Well, it's hair looking like. Which hair? <laughs> so... It's a very breasty. I think it was thought to be a kind of. (laughs) (laughs) I think a hat on each breast. It's supposedly a. It's like a fertility figurine. Okay. So it's quite a a very feminine, breasty, bottomy figurine. And then, I mean, they say it's a hat, but it does look a bit like she's just got either a sack over her head or her face is made of wool because it's not like a hat (laughs) on top of a face there is just no face it's like the whole thing just looks like a big woolly beanie pulled over someone's face right maybe both there was the burp (laughs) finally there it goes (coughs) two of them this I absolutely love so there's a man called John Hetherington who is erroneously named as the inventor of the top hat, but he's not. The actual inventor of the top hat was called George Dunnage. But in 1797, John Hetherington, who was a haberdasher on the Strand, wore a top hat. He was one of the first people to wear a top hat out in public. And he wore a top hat and was arrested on a charge of breach of the peace and incitement to riot. The chaos resulted from his wearing a tall structure having a shiny luster and calculated to frighten timid people what people thought the top hat was terrifying what supposedly women fainted at the sight of his headgear children screamed dogs yelped and a young boy suffered a broken arm in the ensuing scrum god they're a bit soft back then they were they wouldn't bloody deal with the bloody internet yeah no you're right two girls one cup oof we all had to deal with that. One we man, were, one hat. Yeah. yeah. Wouldn't be fainting at a top hat. So I don't have many more facts. I just sort of have some thoughts on hats. You asked me why I did it. I think I instinctively don't trust a hat wearer. All hats or... No, yeah, and type? I understand that's very broad to say because baseball caps, for example... Yeah, or a beanie. Well, it depends on a beanie. Yeah, wo- I agree with that. If you're saying a woolly hat for warmth, yeah. Yeah. then absolutely no problem. But if you are saying a beanie, like a saggy beanie, yeah. that's going to flop off the back of your head and barely cover the front of your head, or if you're going to talk to me about a little kind of cable-knitted fisherman beanie folded up that fully exposes the ears and is basically just a flying saucer on the top of your head, I'd tell you to get out of town. Fair enough. Yeah, yeah, I think I would agree. In terms of... The hats that most concern me unsettle me. I'm talking about a slightly more showman-y sort of fedora. Affair. A fedora, <laughs> your trilbies, yeah, your Ooh, panamas, a trilby, or a a, tra- a train driver ca- like hat. Yeah, Keira like Knightley. Knightley. In, yeah. in love actually. In, in love, hats actually. actually. Yeah, I just think it's a lot of personality. Like, yeah. and I and I suppose I'm associating the wearing of a fedora with someone that maybe likes to tell too many stories, you know, a bit of an imposing person. Probably has pointy shoes. What if you got to know someone? Okay, say, for example, 
you're three months into dating someone, you really like them, it's going really, really well. You're falling in love. Why not? Fourth month in, whips out a fedora. Is it a deal breaker for you? He doesn't wear it all the time, but he does like it. And like special occasions, he'll put it on. I think it depends how he thinks this is going to make me feel. Like if he thinks it's a bit impressive, then we might have to break up. But if he wow, can, is that strong? But if he can laugh at himself with his fedora on his head, no, he's not laughing. He really likes it, but he's not trying to impress anyone. He just you know genuinely what? really likes it. As a I had piece. this last night. I was talking to uh, my friends about the fact that I was doing hats, and my friend said, "Oh, my boyfriend loves hats." And then he arrived at the pub, and I felt bad because obviously I'd gone in with this whole angle of hats are ridiculous and he then told me he loves hats was he wearing a hat when he arrived he wasn't wearing a hat but he said he loves a fedora he loves a trilby and it was quite a surprise wow did it change your opinion of him as a person I mean not morally but it's just a surprise isn't it it's just a very bold thing yeah but I'm a being a hypocrite because you're wearing a fedora right now (laughs) (laughs) we all are (laughs) no because there is a piece of headgear that I love to wear and it's a tiara that's not a hat though but it's headgear I mean I would I would consider a fascinator you also wear yeah. a bandana do I? yep like how? <laughs> right now <laughs> no but in, I swear I've seen you with it in a kind of like a, in a, like a band around your head for your hair definitely but that's quite a hair situation but it's still headgear I guess it's headgear yep okay but Somebody with a fedora on might have an incredibly pointy head that they're just covering up. Yeah, it's true. So, And there are functions for these hats. Like a fedora will stop the sun from getting in your eyes. So I think where I take umbrage, if I may, is when the hat loses the function and it becomes ornamental and it's like a a sign of a personality rather than as a kind of... It doesn't have a use. There's like a statement like that. It feels... Like you're making up for something, perhaps. Yeah, exactly. To have to to wear it on your head, your character. Yeah. yeah. But then I guess people just think they're trendy. I know a lot of boys more who I've almost never seen without a cap on. Is that because they're balding? One of them is, It won't yes. be helpful with the balding. Yeah, one of them. It can make you go bald wearing a hat every day. If you have no sun going onto your skull and no air, pro- like your hair can't flourish. Yeah. And a friend of mine started going bald when we were about 11 at school, he got a bald patch on his head because he wore his Von Dutch cap every single day and he had to stop. And did the hair grow back? It did because he was a kid. But I think when you're in your yeah. approaching your 30s as a man and in your 30s, fight the urge to cover up yeah. with a cap because you're going to make it 10 times worse. Mm. But also, going bald is not yeah, the end of the world. I agree. Not I mean, I, I think celebrate, celebrate the bald. Yeah. But I'm just wondering if that's why you perhaps have more male friends wearing hats than lady friends. Yeah, interesting. Some, some, some... Some, some... Somewhere <laughs> <over the> <laughs> uh, Yeah, I'm done on that one. Yeah. Poor old gel. I think to sum up the type of hat wearer who I just can't be doing with, Bruno Mars. Yes, exactly. Yeah, yeah. It's just yeah. a lot of energy. Yeah. Mm. You know? Mm-hmm. Jamiroquai. That's a big hat. Famously. And I saw this photograph of Jamiroquai this morning when I was desperately searching celebs in hats. Jamiroquai and Rita Ora, two of the most energetically... Charged. Charged individuals I can think (laughs) of, having done a hat swap at Coachella, and I thought all of this is just far too much for me to take in yeah yeah a lot of energy but we talk about hats a lot they're in our language there are so many hat phrases that i'd never even thought about listen to all of these and this is literally only a third of the list that i found online to keep something under your hat Mm. to tip your hat at the drop of a hat hang on to your hat i'm wearing many hats you've got to be in your bonnet hats off throw your hat in the ring mad as a hatter old hat and eat your hat oh wow i i use all of them except possibly mad as a hatter on quite a regular basis mm. I would say mm. keeping something under your hat I really like yeah mm. wearing many hats many hats is one that people I feel like that comes out of work quite a lot yeah people love to talk about which hat they're wearing yeah oh I've got my XL hat on XL 
Excel spreadsheets. Oh, oh, I've never got that. I thought you meant all. extra large. <laughs> <laughs> Genuinely. Anyway, I really would say that's about all I wanted to say on hats. I did ask both of you in advance if you can think of a time that you've had to eat your own hat. Mm. Did you think of such a time? The only one that was in my brain at that point was when we were on episode E and I said that Jelly had eaten lots of baby eels. <laughs> and then she reminded me that she had been a vegetarian at that time. So you had to eat your so hat. So I had to eat my hat. Yeah. Uh, I can't think of one, but but I think it's because I'm eating my hat so much <laughs> that there's no one particular point that sticks out. But I feel like you're a voluntary hat eater, maybe. Uh, what do you mean? Well, like, without being forced to the point where you would be required to eat your hat, you're kind of voluntarily just wanting to eat your hat often. Yeah. I'm, I'm very happy to admit when I'm wrong. But, like, that's... sometimes you, you're you admitting it bef- even if you're not wrong. <laughs> yeah, you're like, oh, I'm going to eat a bloody hat. <laughs> yeah. I want to eat a hat. <laughs> that's true. <laughs> yeah, so maybe that's why I can't think of one. Well, on that note... <laughs> on hat note. On hat note, hold on to your hats because I'm done. <laughs> <laughs> For my age, I um, thought, what are we really doing here? What are we, why are we all here? And I came up with the answer that we all share a sense of humour. So I thought I'd do humour. It's also something that's very important to me in my relationships and life, but I actually think it was a terrible idea <laughs> because as like explaining your why you're funny it immediately means the thing isn't funny anymore and trying to dissect humor it just completely ruins it as a concept but anyway here we go <laughs> can't, can't wait <laughs> hold on to your hat um firstly would both of you describe yourselves as being funny yeah yeah love it shameful and with that would you say you have a good sense of humor well, surely everyone thinks they have a good sense of humour. I don't know. I think they're very different things, aren't they? Mm, I I'd would say so. more comfortably say I have a good sense of humour than that I'm funny. Because I actually think I have a broad sense of humour. Yes. I can laugh at a lot of stuff. Yeah, yeah. I would agree with that. about you? <laughs> Not funny, good sense of humour. Um, <laughs> uh, Wait, now I feel awkward about saying yes that I think I'm funny. No, Not all the time. Me. I don't think I'm funny all the time, just sometimes. I can't but be. if someone was like, describe yourself in three words, funny would probably be one of those three words that you picked. Sexy. <laughs> Sexy, smart, <laughs> amazing. Funny. Extremely talented. Yeah, no, but I think it'd be one of those. Someone. Um, I had a job interview this week and the man <laughs> said to me, how would your colleagues describe you? And I was like, well, this is a job interview, so I've got to say something good, obviously. And I, like, tried to think of some good stuff, and I was like, hardworking, you know, whatever. And then he was like, sounds amazing. And I'm like, what the fuck? Like, what do you think someone is going to answer in that? Like, as if they're going to be like, um... Boring. Boring. Confrontational. Confrontational and lazy. <laughs> like, sounds difficult. <laughs> <laughs> it sounds sounds amazing. What a combo. Do you feel like anyway. you both have one type of comedy that you know will get you laughing? Like, slapstick? Yeah, if I need a belly laugh, then I do think slapstick is really reliable. But I, it's not the thing I find the funniest most of the time. Yeah. Normally, I find slapstick, like, surprise slapstick really makes me laugh. Yeah. There's a really funny bit in This Is England, which obviously isn't a funny film in any way. But when, and it's after a really horrible scene where they've gone in and been deeply racist to the man who runs the shop. Um, I think it's completely accidental, but they leave it in. One of them slips down the bank as they're running and it just like <laughs> such a release of tension from, from the most terrific scene that just happened. And I like first time I watched it, it was just ha- had to rewind it like four times. <laughs> just found it so funny. Yeah, I love people falling over. Yeah, yeah, people falling over is definitely and like in in real life as well when people just trip. Yeah. And I find it funny <laughs> when I do it myself as yeah. well. Like yeah. I just find it so funny the kind of like stiff upper lip of like <laughs> someone walking along tripping and like staying completely like deadpan oh serious and just yeah. like 
walking as if like nothing has happened but they're like bright red and you're just looking at them like come on that was fucking funny yeah yeah <laughs> so good at my first week of my job it was a Friday and we were all like going to the pub because I was the new person and we were all going to like hang out a bit and we were walking to the end of the road and I was walking I think on my own slightly ahead <laughs> and then the, the entirety of the company it's not a big company but it was like 10 people behind us behind me and I just completely stacked it. Like I I wobbled forward and then fell straight back on my back <laughs> with my back on my back like a tortoise. And it was so embarrassing. And everyone was like, oh my God, are you okay? And then my friend, Eloise, who I work with, I knew at that point we were going to be really good friends because she just could not hold it together. Like We didn't know each other well at all. And she was just crying with laughter. <laughs> so you don't often see people fall like, on their back. Yeah, I know, yeah. I fall a lot. I, I fall quite often. And I have a thing, I feel like this is going off piece, but if ever... I might have even said this on the podcast before, but if I'm walking along and I'm like, which I very rarely think to myself, but if I'm like, oh, I look quite good today, like <laughs> something will happen where I like trip or like fall over something or like the minute that thought comes into my head, I'll like fall down the escalator stairs or like and every time like smoked by God for daring to think that I might look quite cool. <laughs> I look quite pretty. It's, <laughs> it's just uh, so funny. Like, yeah. you can't look good when you fall over. No, you absolutely can't. No. Okay, good. Well, that's got us off to a good start. Now let me bring you down. <laughs> um, many, many pegs. Um, <laughs> so there are many theories as to why we have humour, but the kind of most commonly agreed one seems to be really to a, so, a social aspect like advanced human relationships and also psychological well-being to help with bad situations a lot of the time which I'll tell you about in a bit there's like a physical response to laughing that is good for you but laughter doesn't always go hand in hand with humour as we know yeah you can cry let me tell you some etymology about where the word humour comes from the term derives from the humoral medicine of the ancient Greeks which taught that the balance of fluids in the human body human, human, human body known as humours controlled human health and emotion there you go but how does that relate to funniness well you've stumped me there Marique <laughs> <laughs> um, moving on <laughs> so when I was researching this this was quite an interesting one I came across an article in the Guardian so that must be good <laughs> um, written by a woman called Anna Moore and it was called You've Got to Laugh Why a Sense of Humour Helps in Hard Times which is definitely something that I rely on in all of that I was looking at like little quizzes of what sense of humour are you? I did many and all of the ones that I got back were that you try and make light of bad situations yeah. basically oh, time and place obviously but so inappropriate <laughs> yeah <laughs> Um, nasty piece of work. Mm. Yeah. You're a really nasty bitch, isn't she? Oh, I'd hate someone to genuinely describe me as a nasty piece of work. We should probably pull the podcast then. <laughs> <laughs> but Anna Moore, she starts the article talking about how five years ago her brother woke up to a text from his best friend who was staying at the Radisson Blue Hotel in Bamoko in Mali, which had been stormed by Islamist militants. And in like by the at the end of the whole thing, 170 people were taken hostage and 20 were killed. And her brother's friend was on like the seventh floor, and there was loads of gunfire on the floor below him, so he couldn't do anything and he couldn't escape. So he just locked himself in the bathroom and texted his wife, his family, and his best friend, which was her brother. And he texted him saying, "Things are a little tense inside the Radisson at the moment, Simon. Any English humour available?" And then basically for the entire time that he was locked in there, he and his best friend just exchanged like a text thread of the friend trying to make him laugh and trying to get him through the situation. And she said that the thread was like full of obviously very poignant moments, but just absolutely littered with like rubbish gags <laughs> and like just stupid stuff. And then the Simon, the guy who was locked in there, said that while it was whoever it was that got them out in the end, that actually saved his life Malayan commandos it was the humour bit that helped carry him through which I thought was lovely and mm. it made me think about what I would do 
in that situation and I think I would want to do the exact same thing I want who would you text though I think you both know <laughs> be straight the on A this. is the A is for yeah. WhatsApp group <laughs> I genuinely would I think I genuinely would I would feel the most reliant on you you two making me laugh to get through a situation like that that's very really nice <laughs> I, I'd love to think I would do that and I know it's probably the best thing to do but if I were locked in I'd just be like slowly doing a poo (laughs) 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 why slowly I don't know just like so anxious like trying to just decide to do something like not thinking of the right things like oh like maybe this (laughs) well now you can remember if you do get into that now we've discussed this I might yeah yeah. I might think no slow poos needed (laughs) Just a quick text to your old buddies. <laughs> um, and then she goes on to talk about how we saw that feeling of needing things to be funny in dark times it was so prevalent in lockdown. Why all those things went viral, which I was trying to think of some funny ones. And the main one that I could remember was that Hanforth City Paris Council meeting. Oh, yes, yes. <laughs> which was, was that even in lockdown? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think I was in the first lockdown, wasn't it? If, yeah. Uh, oh no! Second. Oh no! The second. It was, it was yeah. the second. Yeah. Um, but I think I think that was a really nice thing that came out of the lockdown was 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 people just being really silly as much as possible to try and get each other through. Yeah, the big the giant lasagna in Wembley Stadium oh, was yeah. a highlight. Do you remember that WhatsApp text that went? It around. was like at the very beginning of the first lockdown when everyone was leaving each other genuine voice notes, being like, "Oh, I've heard this. I've heard that," and the hearsay was. The army coming in. was Everyone. like, you know, varying in ludicrous nature, whatever. Yeah. And then this guy's like, starts off sounding like he's just another one of those voice notes. He's like, basically, they're worried food is going to run out. And so they're basically making a massive lasagna in Wembley <laughs> Stadium. <laughs> so funny. And it just yeah, did the ripped, trick. ripped through the nation. Ripped through the nation. And then she goes on to talk about a lady, two ladies, Jennifer Aker and Naomi Bagdonas, I hope I'm pronouncing that right, Naomi, who spent five years studying the power of humour, watching stand-up and interviewing comedians and ended up writing a book on their findings, which I'd love to read. I didn't obviously read it in time, called Humour Seriously. Um, and they talk about all how like humour is basically the most important thing in life, mm. which I genuinely think, I, for me, I agree with. It's probably yeah. the most. And it's the thing, like I read when I was researching this, I read a stat saying that something like 98% of people say that humor is more important than physical attractiveness in a, in mm. oh yeah in a, in relationships and stuff 100% and when i've definitely had that thing with people before where i haven't been remotely attracted to them physically and then when it, when you get to know them and it turns out they're really funny you're like oh don't mind if i do you know <laughs> like it's a big one looking yeah. at you both <laughs> <laughs> so some interesting facts about humor that jen and naomi discuss I don't know if she minds me calling her Jen. <laughs> um, but it presents a huge body of research to illi- try and illustrate how and why humour works. And just on a purely scientific level, laughter triggers happy hormones and suppresses cortisol, which is the stress hormone, mm-hmm. increases blood fo- flow and is a muscle relaxant. So that's why you feel good when you laugh. Just the Excellent. basics for you there. Yeah. And one 15-year-old, no, one 15-year Norwegian study. (laughs) (laughs) And one 15-year-old Norwegian. (laughs) Laughed for a thousand days. (laughs) Um, One 15-year Norwegian study study. (laughs) of more than 50,000 people found that those with a strong sense of humour lived longer than those who scored lower. Another study of recently... (laughs) 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 Recently bereaved people showed that those able to laugh when recalling their loved ones reported less anger and less distress. As in their deceased loved ones. Yes, I'd imagine so. Yeah, and I feel like often at, like, funerals and things like that, like, when you're talking about the person who's died, generally the conversations are usually like, oh, remember when how they did the ha this thing yeah, it's like, and it's things. a fond there's a, an element of comfort in kind of remembering someone's like funny attributes or things they did that were kind of humorous in some way I it think. makes it feel like it was a life well lived if people are yeah. laughing once you're dead yeah. yeah I want there to be lots of laughter at my funeral 
Oh, there will be. Stand up. I <laughs> we'll want to make sure both of that. To do stand up. Absolutely not. <laughs> Gina, you actually, I wanted to ask you about, because you're one of the few people I know that has done a foray into stand up comedy. Yeah. Would you like to tell me how you found that? <laughs> uh oh. Uh oh. Well, it's a very depressing environment to be in and it's also a really embarrassing thing to have do a foray into because when you asked at the beginning do you think you're funny like you can't do stand-up comedy if you don't think that in some way yeah. so it's a really awkward position to put yourself in because you're putting yourself at the front of a room full of people and saying look at me I think I'm funny and I can make you laugh yeah yeah, yeah. and then when you actually try to do it you realize you're not funny or whatever Did I you- thought you were very funny thank you I mean, I didn't have a terrible time doing it. I did, like, people laughed and it didn't, like, I never had a kind of... You didn't bomb. I didn't bomb. You won lots of little little cups. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Did you feel feel like there were certain (laughs) gags that landed every time? I think that, I mean, I really haven't done it enough to, to know really, like, I feel it takes people years and hours and hours and hours of stage time to start knowing what makes them funny and that's what you're saying like if you start unpicking it things stop being funny very quickly yeah and i think the mistake i i definitely made and i think i watched so many people do this in open mic comedy is that you think to guarantee yourself a laugh the best way to do that is to say what you think is the most shocking thing or the most private or lewd thing you can think of and it's really boring yeah interesting so also, I suppose that humour is so based on culture, like age, probably gender, what kind of humour and influences you grow up around. So it's so hard to... And the context, like you context can be really is... funny within a conversation with a particular person, but if mm. you remove all of those other things and you just put yourself in front of people that don't know you and there's n- there's no starting point, you're not reacting to something, you're just delivering yeah. something, yeah. it's completely different yeah and as we know women aren't funny exactly yeah so so double the challenge yeah exactly um, you know what is surprising is the number of I'm sorry but men in open mic comedy who are just horribly sexist and old fashioned in a way that's very it's very boring and it's just depressing too yeah totally you know what's a very good funny thing though in this day and age which we didn't have like when we were very young is like autocorrect yeah comedy I said that's not comedy but like <laughs> dodgy autocorrect yeah. and that just didn't exist for a time I actually have a really good one that my mum told me about Wait, that I'm going to share with you a friend of hers was texting another friend and they hadn't spoken for a while and she was asking how she was and she was like I'm not good and we had to like cremate my father today or whatever and the other woman replied trying to say I'm so sorry and it auto-corrected to I'm so sooty. <laughs> oh, God. Oh, my God. <laughs> they would have probably done that because it's like, ah, yes, they're talking about cremation. Yeah, I'll yeah, it was the a sub- sooty. Yeah, sooty. Or like she maybe mishit one of the keys or whatever. But when you just have... Like, also, mum tried to also buy me a moleskin diary once for Christmas and it kept coming up as foreskin diary. Like, she just kept <laughs> like, sending to me. There's just something about it that's so... It's like it's some random act that's happened that's yeah. completely uncontrollable and it's just always it's like it's not there's nothing mean about it it's just ridiculous and like yeah. funny when you're trying you, you're like pissed off with something and you're describing it and it's so fucking annoying it's always ducking, ducking and it makes you ten times angrier yeah yeah well I and if anybody would like to hear about theories on humour go and read that book that I've been citing or you can look at a TED talk by Pete McGraw excellent and scene Thank you for listening to A is 4 with Gina, Jelly and Marika. Join us next week when we'll be interpreting insults, investigating instant messaging and imagining immortality. And you can follow us on Instagram at A is 4 Podcast. A is 4, A is 4, A is 4, A is 4.